Welcome to episode 13 of Learning with Young Leaders. We release a new episode every Wednesday to learn from young leaders who share their stories and experiences for you to bring your life to the next level. Listen in to hear how many of these guests discover their passion and drive in life that allows them to do well at what they love best. In this episode, we have Zachary, Chief Strategies of Underdog Strategy, where he enjoys helping underdog businesses take on the Goliaths in their industry. Zachary talks about the concept of strategy, some strategy startups and smaller companies can adopt, and how you can learn more about strategy. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and support us by sharing this with whoever would benefit from it. If you wish to connect with like-minded individuals, do join our LinkedIn group as well. Now, let's learn more about strategy from Zachary. Hi Zachary, welcome to our Learning with Leaders podcast. Hello, hello. Hi Marcus, good to yeah, see you. So, yeah, nice to see you as well. Excited to have you on this podcast to share your experiences. So, I understand you are the chief strategist at the Underdog Strategy, is a company you founded yourself, right? Mm, that's right. Yeah, so before we delve into like that company that you're working on currently, why don't we understand a bit more about you as a person and how you got to where you are today? Okay, I would say, I think, wow, this is, uh, where, 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 where can I begin, man? I, I think the, the interest in strategy actually started quite young. Uh, all, all the way back in probably when I was in secondary school or primary school because uh, if, you, if you see me in real life, you know that I'm a bit like a bit on a smaller size, right? So what happened is, but I love to play sports. I love to play games mm-hmm. and being on the smaller side of things, right? You, 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 you can't win the, the outright way, all right? You, it's not like, you know, if I'm going to play soccer, it's very easily outmuscled and things like that. And, and to get on a team and all, it's, it's very difficult. So after a while, I realized that, hey, you know, you don't play on the, you don't play with the same rules that other people play with because if you do that, your chances are I'm going to lose. I'm not going to be selected for a team. So I realized that with a little bit of strategy, I can actually get myself onto the team, right? So, I mean, this is a little bit funny, but what happened was that I was trying to get myself on the soccer team, basically, the football team. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, they were fighting for the right wing position, right back position, you know, the standard positions because everyone's a right footed, right? Person. So what I did was that I'm also right footed, but I really wanted to get on a team and, you know, I can't match them on the side. So I started training my left leg. So this is what I call a, a left foot strategy, which I actually thought a bit of my clients as well. So yeah, in the entire class, I was the only person with the left foot. So after that, when they started picking selection, selecting for the team, right, I was a natural selection mm-hmm. because like, Anyone who can play on the left, who got who can kick with the left foot? Oh, but that's only Zach. Okay, then I'm on the team. So that was when I realized, well, this powerful thing, uh, this strategy is a very powerful method of getting your achieving your objectives. So after that, yeah, along the way, as I grew up in business, in life, and whatever, everything I come and I will start thinking like, how do I, what strategy should I use to to win? Uh? and and yeah, and and that continued to carry on even in my business. Uh, even when uh, I started working for another company and also helped them with the strategy part and things like that, it's very unseen because, you know, no, everyone will see you training with your left leg, but no one knows what, what is the purpose behind it, right? So, uh, yeah, but after winning a few times, winning, I think, growing the company, then after that, I left and started my own company on strategy. Okay, that's really interesting. You actually train your left foot just to get into the team. So, it's a very different way of, or like yep, a different yep. perspective, la, I would say, right? Yep. 
Interesting. So, so but it, okay. it was painful. La. <laughs> so once once you sort of identified that, would you call that your passion of some sorts? Passion? I, I think so because I think after, at, the, at the start, right? I mean, when you when I was younger, I was like, okay, you know, soccer is soccer. Then that translated into games. Uh, mm-hmm. I love to play strategy games. Then after that, when you translate into uh, team sports or whatever, I, I find myself just, while everyone is watching videos of, let's say, football, right? They'll watch like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and all the tricks. Then I'll go watch like coaches analysis and, and stuff like that. Like how how did Jose Mourinho take, take down Lionel Messi, you know, even though he's the superior uh, player and all this kind of thing. So I started watching more and more. Then also uh, study a little bit of history, uh, Sun Tzu, uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And repeatedly, I keep seeing how uh, small armies take on big armies and win. And uh, for those people who know me, they know that I'm very into business. So naturally, strategy, business merge together. Then I keep seeing how the young upstarts, young the, the underdogs, the small companies, when they were still small, uh, take on the bigger companies and, and won. So I think it was a natural merge. And yeah, could you say it's a passion? I, I guess so. I guess so. But it developed more and more into like, yeah, kind of like a purpose eventually. Okay, that's nice. So, perhaps with that in mind, was it something that you pursued when you entered university? Like, were you focusing on developing skills in that aspect or were you still exploring at that point in time? I would say, okay, strategy, you know, started from a need, right? Mm-hmm. From a need since primary school because I, I wanted to play on a team. So, strategy has been throughout my life. But I think... Um, um, business was something that was I, I, I discovered more in JC. I discovered more in JC where you know you had to decide what course to go and all. And, and as guys, we have army to go through and all. So, uh, while everyone's like just trying to score the highest uh, score possible so that they have all the options, right? I was actually thinking what I wanted to do. And um, so, in J1, uh, after a while, I realized that hey man, I really enjoy business, right? I mean, as when you're young, your parents will always tell you, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go be an engineer, whatever. Then after a while, I realized that, hey, business is the ultimate uh, solution to all. Because yes, they say, oh, if you're a doctor, you don't want to be afraid of falling sick. Then I say, hey, if I'm a businessman and you know, I start a successful business and become rich, right? Then you can just, I can hire the doctor, like, I can hire the lawyer, I can hire the engineer. I say, hey, actually, just then business is the ultimate uh, occupation <laughs> to be. So, so yeah, so I, I went about, so uh, at J1, I, I kind of like, I, I know what course I was going in for uni already. I, I told them I'm either going NUS Business School, NTU Business School, SMU Business School. That's, that's all, you know, is my top three choices were there and all along it has been business. And I think um, eventually the choices that I make in, in, in life was also about that. So after I, while waiting for army, I was actually going around looking for jobs to work for that gives me business experience as well. Whether is it in sales, whether is it in like, I, I think one of the things, I, I mean, I'm not sure about now, people right now, but at, a, at that point of time, a lot of people wanted to start cafes, right? So I was like, oh okay. yeah, cafe business sounds very cool, right? So I actually went to work for a cafe. Then everyone was like, why why you go work for a cafe? Then I was like, I want to see how, the, the business is run, how operations is done, everything. Then after two months of working at a cafe, I realized that, nope, I don't want to start a cafe business. But, <laughs> but the choices that I make are always um, like, okay, this business looks interesting. Let's go intern for it, go work part-time for it. Or Yeah, so that's, that's how I make my choices and, and, and discover what I really enjoy. So, so you really discover sort of like your direction in life of going into business and from there, 
your interest in entrepreneurship develop? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it went even into uni. So in uni, uh, uh, I went to NUS business. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that most people, you know, I mean, most people will say, oh, they'll ask you, what are you majoring in, right? So I can tell you majority of the people will major in uh, banking and finance, right? And yeah. then the second bunch of people who will major in is uh, in marketing, right? So that's the, then, then the rest will major in all the random stuff. So every time they ask me, what am I majoring in? Then I'm the only guy who will say like, I'm not majoring in anything. Then you're like, you, you can graduate like that. Then I was like, yeah, you can. You just need to take on the correct credits and modules enough to pass, uh, mm-hmm. not pass, but enough to collect enough uh, modules to, to graduate. But I said that I realized running a business, you are not supposed to be uh, specialized in anything, right? You specialize in your finance. That makes you a great banker, but that does not make you a good entrepreneur. You specialize in marketing. You, you don't know your numbers. You don't know your HR. You also, you know, you're not going to be able to run a successful business. So I ended up, uh, taking a lot of modules across all the disciplines, you know, HR, operations, marketing, of course, finance and accounts and everything. And all of this, I think, yes, I, I did manage to graduate without majoring in anything, but I think all of this helped me to build my foundations to, to run a business, to start a business or to help a business. Yeah. So all that was in mind with entrepreneurship as the end goal? Yeah, so I, I'm one of the few, I always joke that I'm one of the few people who, who went to study business with the intention of wanting to start a business. Most people <laughs> okay. go study business to, I think, maybe to join a bank or something like that. But yeah. I, I, I really do enjoy a business. Yeah, so, so I, and I think along the way, it got clearer and clearer. So, yeah. Okay, but what I saw was that you didn't start off with your own company, right? You actually went to yes. a... A, was it a startup first? Okay, so my journey was... Okay, my journey is quite interesting. So, I, I first I learned everything, right? Then mm-hmm. at the point of time, I was still thinking like, oh, this... Okay, guys, this is the slow way of starting your own business, <laughs> la, okay? So, uh, instead of going pitch, uh, you know, come up with an idea, ask for venture funding, right? I wanted to build my own capital first. So, one of the first things I did was that I realized that, um, I, I think I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And he mentioned that, you know, whatever business you, you need to do, one of the skills you need to have is sales, right? He's a best-selling author, not the best writing author. So I was like, okay, let's go learn some skills. So even during my internship, uh, even during my uni days, I went around, one of the part-time jobs I picked up was door-to-door uh, sales. Because mm-hmm. I conclude, if you can do that, you can do any almost any type of sales. So my first job was actually in insurance. In insurance where I learned how to sell. And then I also kept a lot of the money that I made as capital for, for my own business. So I think I went into that learning, wanting to learn the art of sales. Uh, and then after I think about two and a half plus years, then with enough capital, then I kind of started a small little uh, web store selling some leather journals and things like that. That was about one, two months then, you know, if my theory is if you can sell insurance, right, you can sell anything, right? Insurance is like probably the most not sexy product out there. But after that, I realized, um, hey, even with the leather journal, the luxury leather journal, right, I realized it was very difficult to sell because I wasn't getting enough clients, enough leads. Every time I get them, I'll close them. But I realized, then that's where I realized marketing is, is the next skill that you need to pick up, right? You need marketing and sales. So uh, the next company I joined was actually a startup, was, was a, a digital marketing company. So I was there for a good uh, four and a half years, good four and a half years. So yeah, almost close to five. And over there, I, I learned a lot of things from marketing. 
But because being a startup, I, you know, you get to work in every department as well. I eventually became their uh, general manager, but uh, that, so I, I went through the operations. I, I joined as a digital marketer, but I went into the operations. Eventually, I went to the sales. I went into the, a bit of the finance accounts as well. Um, yeah, so I, I learned a lot of things there. And then that was after, after all of this that I decided to step out and start my own company. Okay, so, what were some of the more interesting lessons that you picked up from that four and a half years? Four and a half years, uh, I think um, interesting, lessons, interesting lessons is that um, the, the way you get to somewhere will not be the thing that gets you to the next place. Okay, so a lot of people think like, um, you know, if I want to, okay, this has been get, getting me results. Let's say, for example, um, like for example, this company that I'm helping right, right now, right? So they, they have been selling this product, using this model, business model of theirs. It got them to, let's say, one mil mark. So they wanted to scale it past more. Mm. And let's say, for example, they want to scale it 10, 10 times more, right? So they want to earn 10 mil. They thought that they just need to do this thing that they're doing 10 times harder. Then I say, you guys are going to kill yourself doing this way. So what I did was taking the same thing that I did, I changed it. Uh, change a new model and it eventually I mean half six months into this year they have already hit five mil right and but I didn't change what they're selling and what product what service but I just kind of remodel it so I think the biggest lesson because in that company the company grew when when I was in that company the company was under a mil and then I was lucky enough to watch it grow from under a mil to like seven mil close to ten mil and I realized that along the way the things that you do when you are under a meal to hit one meal is different from the things that you do from one meal to let's say three meal, four meal. And then from three meal, four meal, the things to do to hit seven meal to 10 meal is different altogether. So you have to evolve together at, with the stage of the company are growing. And if you think that the way to hit one meal, uh, 10 meal is to do what you're doing one meal, do it 10 times, right? You are in for a surprise. So yeah. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. so h- along the way, how do you improve your skill sets to adapt to these like changing needs? Wow, this this is I I think it came with the background. I I think in in uh, the company I was growing, there was there was a lot of opportunities for growth, opportunities for learning. Okay, so and and there's uh, so quite a bit of uh, mobility. I could move around in departments as long as I could prove that I can really contribute to the department. Mm. So because um. You see, uh, when, I, when I was in marketing, I was maybe one and a half years there in marketing. So I learned, I learned up to maybe, I wouldn't say I'm a top, the best of the best. Uh, maybe let's say I'm 80% there. Okay, better than average really. Good enough to get the results and stuff like that. Okay, the last 20% is when you need to put in a lot of effort to get a little bit of incremental results. So after, after that, I was like, okay, this is not worth the, you know, the mm. effort reward ratio. So I went to operations. When I went operations, same thing, the starting part, the, the growth was steep, lah, right? But um, as long as you're open to, to learn and open to fail, right? Uh, which is something that I always say that uh, Singaporeans are not used to, lah, right? Mm-hmm. If you're open to fail, uh, humble enough to just eat a humble pie, learn, fail, fail fast, fail quickly so that you can succeed even faster, right? Then you, you learn. Oh. Then same thing as with sales as well. Fail fast, fail quickly, which means that getting a lot of rejections, getting a lot of things. Yeah, you, if you're willing to go through this, you will be able to learn and grow very, very, very quickly and grow along with the company. Because I think at different stages, the company requires a different type of people. So I think what happens, I've noticed also along the way when this company, as it grows from under a mil to seven to 10 mil, right? The people who join us change along the way. Like this person may have been good for 
for under a meal. But because this person maybe never grow or never change or never upgrade their skills or couldn't keep up with it, right? So when the company was into one to three meal, then it was a little bit tougher for this person. So uh, the person decided to leave and, and, and join another company. Rich, I mean, no, no, no worries, right? Then another person who came from a bigger company came here came and said, hey, actually, this is a norm. Then started doing the same thing again. Then when the company hit a seven meal, suddenly this, this person was like, wow not able to uh, keep up as well. So the person decided to leave and things like that. So, so, but there are also people who retrain that are able to keep up with the growth. So it's really both sides. As the company grow, the employees and the people need to grow as well. And sometimes as the employees grow, if the company doesn't grow, the employees also leave and go find another company that's growing faster. So, so both have to grow together. Like. It's really this environment of growth that's very important. Mm. And at which point in time do you decide that you know, you have amassed enough skills to venture on your own. I would say at a, a, at a point of time where I think I was, I think I hit around when I was 30, 30, 30, 31, right? So, so around this point of time where, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if you listen to this uh, video by Jack Ma. You know, he always say when you're 20s, go work for someone. Who oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, right? yeah, right. So in my 20s, that's what I was doing, right? I mean, whether got people teach me, if you're lucky to find someone to teach you, please stay as long as possible. But during your 20s, right, you know, money is not really an issue, right? But um, find someone who willing to mentor you, to grow you, find people who give you opportunities. So I, I think I've been doing that since 18 all the way until 30 and at 30 plus I was like okay I, I think I, I, I've i learned enough and I think I got the capital of course there were things to uh, give up right I had a six-figure salary at, by then and I was like wow I I I had to like give it up lah. but I mean if you realize if you feel that your value what you can bring to the market is worth more than whatever you are giving up then you go for it lah. but it is scary I can tell you it is definitely scary but um, I feel that the market will test you. The market will test you. And if the market tests you and find that you're worth less than six figures, then okay, lah, then you eat a humble pie and go for someone else or something. But if the market tests you and realize that shucks, man, you have been undercharging yourself for, for so long, then, then you'll you you also find that out. Lah. So the market is a very honest reflection, lah, I would say. Yeah. So how has the journey been so far? <laughs> oh, the, the journey has been great. Uh, I think... Uh, I was just doing my finances and uh, so the last six months, uh, I mean, if you talk about, I mean, journey so far as in terms of my company growth or even in, my, in terms of my finances, uh, I think in the last six months, I've managed to, my, my, my net worth of the, my earnings, uh, right? I've managed to earn more than the last six years of work that I have I put in. So, so yeah, I think that justifies, but I can tell you that it wasn't like that because I think I, I officially started maybe sometime in August last year. August last year. So, you know, it was like a bit scary here and there a few months. So for that few months, it, it gave me about a year's worth of income, which is kind of good. But I was like, okay, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're never really stable or what. So, you, you, I mean, this few months might have been good, but you never know. And then who knows, we had COVID. But turns out COVID, you adapt, you evolve. And the last six months have been so good that, um, yeah, it, it it kind of overshadowed the last six years worth of work. But uh, so it's good. I mean, right now it's good. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. That's good. But other than, you know, obviously everything has been going well, but are there any points in time where it just hasn't gone the way you wanted it to? I mean, when you start off on your own, it's definitely not as stable as 
perhaps working for someone with the stability of their job, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think number one, when, when I think when I first stepped out, one of the things that, interestingly, one of the things that I missed was my colleagues. You know, I was working there for four and a half years and suddenly, you know, it's just solo yourself and things like that. So I, I think it's a little bit of an adaptation required. <laughs> yeah, but especially for people who have been working for quite a while. But I think this is where, that's why after a while, because I mingle with quite a number of entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs, they always tell me like, hey, wow, entrepreneurship is quite lonely and stuff like that. Then after a while, when I started, then I realized, oh, wow, yeah, it is really quite uh, lonely. Even if you have your team, because you're always the boss to your team, there's always that, that power distance, that gap. So that's why entrepreneurs always like to uh, form their own masterminds, their own uh, cliques or their own gatherings so that they can, you know, have some community of some sort. So so I, w- I would say that this uh, journey yeah, it's really, really quite a, quite a lonely one. I mean, you still have people around you, but they will never fully understand the entrepreneur's journey as much as another entrepreneur. So I think that was probably the biggest uh, uh, thing to, to, to struggle with, if you ask me. Yeah. And how have you dealt with that by forming masterminds? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I think one of the things was that when I realized it, I mean, it took me a while, but once I realized it, I, I went to join a mastermind, a mastermind that, um, uh, uh, that will kick your ass and get you get results. Lah. And I paid quite a good, healthy amount of sum to, to join a mastermind. And this was when my business just started, just mm-hmm. started only. So, so it was like a five-figure sum to join this mastermind. And, uh, it, but I, I really credit the mastermind for bringing me to the next level because uh, yeah, that, that community was the thing that, I mean, if you must know yourself, like okay, if you're self-disciplined, driven, you know, you're the type who can go to the gym at seven a.m. every morning, wake up, sleep, ah, uh, that kind of thing, right? Then okay, maybe this is good, lah. But if you're not, then my strategy is to surround myself with, uh, and put myself in an environment that, uh, uh, it's um, yeah, gets me to do the same amount of work. And in fact, it's so good that you know recently this mastermind because it's on an annual renewal basis. So in fact, the mastermind because they've been getting a lot of results and doing very well as well. So they actually doubled their price. All right, and even after they doubled their price, I also still pay because that this mastermind, this community is really a very important for for many entrepreneurs. So if you if you ever start your own business or what, make sure you surround yourself with the right right community. It really makes a big difference. Okay, yeah. so. I'm a bit more interested about your current business and what you've been doing recently, right? Especially on the topic mm-hmm. of strategy. So what is it about strategy that perhaps people are not the most informed about? I think uh, people are not most informed about the concept of strategy <laughs> in, in general because if you really think about it, right? People teach like the topics they teach, marketing, right? They teach sales, they teach operations, they teach finance, but very few uh, people actually teach strategy. I mean, yes, you can get some modules in university and stuff like that, but it's not something that is really thought about. And in fact, um, so uh, I'm the chief strategist of my of my own company, but one of my clients have actually uh, got me to join them as a chief strategy officer, right? So at this point of time, right? Uh, so this multi-million dollar company asked me to join as a chief strategy officer. So I, I mean, if I to ask you, right, how do you become a chief strategy officer? Right? Is there a path for it? Like, I mean, marketing as marketing, the chief marketing officer, you know the path, like, right? Marketing executive, senior marketing executive, maybe marketing manager, then slowly go up marketing director or some, something like that. But is there such thing as a strategy executive or something like that, right? There, there isn't. So, so I think people don't really understand much about business strategy yet. 
I would say business strategy is probably the thing that makes or break a company. Okay, and I don't want to go into like, you know, everyone will say that their thing is the most important. Um, a marketer will tell you marketing is the most important. Sales will tell you sales is the most important, which, which I totally agree on all this. But I feel that uh, strategy is a, 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 a thing that no one, no one talks about, but yet it's, uh, it is so important in every company, especially for startups. Because as a startup and as a, as a small new company, SME, right, you're going up and taking your, pitting yourself against the big boys. Right? And if you try to fight on a big boys level, you are sure to, to lose and sure to die one. So you realize that good strategy allows uh, Trump's uh, great teams better product, better services if you have a good strategy. And uh, if you watched soccer teams or football teams or basketball teams, it's, it's the same thing, right? The team may not be the strongest, you know, like, like Liverpool at the start, at the start, but eventually as they change their strategy accordingly, they, they become strong and they take on the, the, the giants. So, so strategy is very important. It's just that yeah, the question is, how do you learn? All right? No one teaches this. No one talks about this. And yeah, you have to go source and find material for yourself. So I, I feel that strategy is like so important, right? And it's the thing that helps general win battles, but not many people teach it or talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And how do you suggest people should go about it? Yeah, so, so even when I was preparing for this, right, I was thinking like, wow, I mean, yeah, I keep telling people, hey, you need to go uh, learn more about strategy. Then like, they'll ask me, like, how, how do you learn? Like, how did I learn, right? And, and unfortunately, I also didn't learn through the traditional, like what school, whatever. A uh, few things I learned is, uh, number one, having an interest really helps, right? So I, I went to learn through, I, I went to learn through um, reading, studying, self-study, all right? So I went to, I read a lot of the past history stuff and see how I can, I can use it. Another thing that really helps is having a mentor. Uh, uh, um, a mentor is very, very important in, if you want to learn about strategy because right, what happens is that a lot of self-study things, you can only understand, you can only st- study the tactics that you see. Right? Tactics are the things that you can see. Strategy, most of the time, is, is the invisible things. One. You, most of the time, right, every time you, you buy something, you, you support a company or whatever, most of the time, you're already sucked into their strategy. Really, and you don't know it. One. It's so unknowing. You do it unconsciously and things like that. So you do need someone that can see and observe it and explain to you exactly what they're doing. Like Starbucks, they try to charge you different pricing things, right? Those are pricing strategies, right? So they, they unconsciously force you to buy the more expensive things, right? But for most people, they, they don't see it that way. So you need someone to point it out to you. And another thing I think uh, a strategy is learned through experience, experience on the battlefield, right? I mean, if you play soccer, yeah, like once again, the, the schools teaches us how to kick, how to pass, how to shoot, how to run, but they don't teach us strategy as a, as a whole. So when you play, you get, get trashed enough times, you lose enough on the battlefield, or you observe people losing enough on the battlefield, enough experience, you will also learn, like you will learn that, Oh, you you have been a victim of stress, someone's else's strategy, la. So, like like for example, I can share with you. Uh, quite interesting. So, there's quite a number of workshops or seminars or or sales people reaching out to you. You know, trying to sell you stuff, right? So, if you go in there, you learn yourself on level one. You're just like you understand whether a product is a good product or a bad product. On a level two basis, if you suddenly you're more aware of the interaction taking place, right? You realize that, oh, I'm being pitched to, right? So you see whether this person is a good pitch or the person is a bad pitch, right? And then if you have someone, if you can record it and let someone analyze it for you, right? Then you realize that that person, right, has actually, where even though the person is doing a presentation, you're analyzing the person's presentation, right? But there are a few, the way the presentation is structured, there's a strategy in it, right? 
that will force you to act in a certain way. Hope that brings you to say yes, make you feel like, you know, make you feel good or something like that. So you do need someone to point it out to you because there's so many layers of this happening at the same time. If not, at the very first layer, those unaware, it's like, okay, I'm just evaluating whether the product is good or not. When at the level two, it's like, oh, whether this salesperson is good or not. Mm. At the level three, it's like, whether this entire sales experience is, is good or not. So, so yeah, this, yeah, sometimes after you, how to know whether a good pitch or a good strategy is you get pitched to enough times. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's something yeah. I realized also. Like, once you start doing marketing and copywriting, right, then every time I see an ad, I was still like, hey, is this a good copy? Is yes, this a- yes. It totally changed your lenses and you will never ob- see and observe the thing the same way again. In a way, it kind of ruins your life. La. So, <laughs> I, I always laugh about it, but yeah, that's, yeah, you learn a lot of things from there. Okay, so um, I'm quite interested. What are some of these strategies that you would recommend for perhaps like startups or smaller companies? Strategies to like, I see, I see. I think a few things is that a lot of startups, la, okay, at the start, right? They try to, they, they copy, they copy because that's the, you know, they're like, oh, this is successful, so I copy. So there's two ways about it. So you can copy, right? But you can only copy up to a certain extent. I, I feel that you should copy maybe some structure, some things. Those are, they are helpful for you. But if you, after a while, if you copy, you realize that uh, what gets you here will not get you there, right? So if you copy, suddenly a while, you'll you feel like uh, you're an imitation, uh, you're a weaker version of the main thing. So if you always fight on that, you will definitely lose because no one wants the weaker version. Everyone wants the original version. So I feel that the way that startups can, another way for startups to, to differentiate themselves is to make sure that they start off with something different, something, something particularly unique to them, which, um, which cannot be found elsewhere. And, and if they can differentiate themselves this way, right? Differentiating is very important. Why? So that they can charge a premium. Okay, a lot of startups, because they say like, oh, you know, I'm not Nike, I'm not Adidas, right? So they'll end up charging cheaper, right? And as a startup, you know, you really have less money, less resources, less everything, right? Uh, and you charge cheaper, very quickly, you'll find that you will, you will die, you'll, you'll run out of resources. And, and if you always go by the cheaper, you'll go in the price war. Mm. You go in the price war, you know, uh, if someone tries to imitate your product, you know, some China person uh, from, they take Alibaba, AliExpress stuff and try, wow, you, it's hard, it's hard to fight. It's hard to mm-hmm. fight. So what you need to do is you need to go on a premium, uh, differentiate yourself and then go on a premium route. So if you realize, I mean, I mean, a good example of this is Kickstarter. Kickstarter, right? Yes, they, they do a lot of like, oh, leather goods, things like that. But you realize they are, actually their stuff is actually not say that cheap. I mean, yes, they give you discounts and all. But you see the discounts already, it's like inflated, then they discount it back. So you mm. see, they already start off with a strategy already. But what happens is that you realize that if I sell a leather goods, I sell on those kind of maybe push cards, right? I can sell maybe a few 30, 40 plus bucks. But if I kickstarted it, then you market it and stuff like that. And I say, oh, this is, then they say how premium it is luxury count uh, count or whatever lah, right they talk about how good it is right then they can charge it at 70 90 100 plus bucks right that's how yeah kickstarter works out. so so i realized that hey if you if you want to charge higher price you need to differentiate yourself and i feel that smes should never go downwards they should never fight on the price war part because smes they do that they should die so a lot of it they they should go upwards be as premium as possible and the way to do it is by differentiating yourself or know what's your unique selling point. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I mean I just to give you an example, right? So one of the companies I consulted, so most of the time they sell things like like 3K and, and things like that. So once again, like you know, if I told you uh, you want to hit the 
one male selling 3K products. So you're going to hit 10 million, you need to sell 10 times that. And I was like, no, 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 no. The, this, this is a surest way to kill yourself. So I took the same product, right? I repackaged it, restructured it. Same product. I never changed whatever product offering. The, I never invent a new product for them. I just kind of repackage it. Okay, la, repackage them becomes like a new product. But it's the same components, right? And eventually, they, now they're charging it at 50 plus K, right? And people buy, and people buy. So same thing, 3K, 50K. So that's why they, they, they suddenly, like six months, they hit 5 million already. Uh, that, and I did that with one, and I did that with another company as well. So previously, this guy, and this just happened over the last weekend. I repackaged his stuff. Previously, he was selling at 2K USD. He was selling at 2K USD. Then he was like, wow, I need to sell more and stuff like that. And, and when you sell more, you have more people to take care of, you know, it's logistically more tiring, more draining and things like that. And, and you, at 2K, you, you know, sometimes you end up taking clients that you don't really want, but because you need to keep your business running. So I told him, hey, you know what? Change this model, restructure everything. So he started selling packages at 9K USD, 15K USD. And yeah, and he sold like two of them. And then it was like 18K. And he only had two, two clients to service for 18K USD. Yeah. So he was like, he was like, wow. And, and the truth is, I never changed. Once again, I never changed whatever he did. I just restructured, repackaged it. I tell him, go target the premium uh, market instead of going the, the price war route. Lah. So, so yeah, I think SMEs, uh, this is a route that SMEs should go because if you don't, especially during this, uh, um, like, you know, if you strike things like COVID and things like that, right? Without that margins for you to play with, uh, you die very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Okay, yep. I think I'll end off with this one last question, which is, what does success look like to you? Success, uh, I think success looks like, I would say success looks like two things. One is uh, impact, the impact you have on people. Positive impact, of course. You hope to impact as many lives as possible. I think that is uh, success on the on a company level and maybe on a personal fulfillment level. But I think another thing that is very important in success before you can reach that is also uh, freedom. So a lot of people say that, oh, you know, success make a lot of money and stuff like that. After a while, money really, it comes to a point where, you know, you don't really care as much. It's good to have more money, but uh, it's not like it's going to change your life. But I think what that money does is that it gives you that freedom, the freedom to do what you want to do, uh, how you choose to spend your time and things like that. And because of that freedom, I have the ability to make more impact. Because sometimes when you don't have the freedom, when you're fighting for survival, you know, let's say muscle hierarchy at the bottom, you're fighting for survival, right? Yes, you still can make impact, but it's very hard because you, are, you're, you have to constantly think about your own survival, your family survival, your employee survival. So, so I, I think to be able to achieve true success, right? Number one, of course, you, the aim is to make impact, but also to get out of the of the survival stage, get mm. out of the survival stage, make sure you have enough resources, enough finances, enough whatever to get that freedom. And then you use that freedom to make more impact and impact the world. Lah. So yeah, that's what success means to me. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice way of putting it. Because a mm. lot of times people are focused on what works for them best or like how they can make themselves better that they, they get lost in that. Lah. Then they lose their freedom and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's really a balance because I think we all know that we need to uh, have a purpose, right? You know, a company must have a purpose, which is a long-term thing. But sometimes so much purpose, then your company no profits, right? Then you also die. <laughs> you see, your yeah, company cannot. Yeah. So, but if you keep focusing on profits alone, then uh, after a while, yeah, it, it has to be something more than that to survive. So I, I think it's a balance. You have enough profits so that you can really pursue that purpose. So yeah, freedom so that you can get more impact, make more impact. Okay. 
I think that's all I have for now. It's been really nice speaking to you, especially I, I really like the part about strategies and how you help smaller companies take on the, the bigger giants, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's really very fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really nice speaking to you. Thanks for coming on to the podcast and yeah, hope everything goes well for you. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.